a quote to remember. Anias Nan quotes 41 through 50. 41. In the presence of a collective neurosis, it is all the more essential for the novelist not to share with the neurotic this paralyzing fear of nature, which has been the cause of so much sterility in life and in writing of today. While we refuse to organize the confusions within us, we will never have an objective understanding of what is happening outside. We will not be able to relate to it, to choose sides, to evaluate historically, and consequently, we will be incapacitated for action. Today, a novelist's preoccupation with inner psychological distortions does not stem from a morbid love of illness, but from a knowledge that this is the theme of our new reality. Like the modern physicist, the novelist of today should face the fact that this new psychological reality can be explored and dealt with only under the conditions of tremendously high atmospheric pressures, temperatures, and speed, as well as in terms of new time-space dimensions for which the old containers represented by the traditional forms and conventions of the novel are completely inadequate <coughs> Excuse me, and inappropriate. This is why James Joyce shattered the old form of the novel and let his writing erupt in a veritable flow of associations. Most novels today are inadequate because they reflect not our experience, but people's fear of experience. They portray all the evasions. 42. Nian reiterates her conviction that emotionality is essential to creativity. In order to take action, full maturity and experience is required. <coughs> Novels which contribute to our emotional atrophy only deepen our blindness. And nothing that we do not discover emotionally will have the power to alter our vision. The constant evasion of emotional experience has created an immaturity which turns all experience into traumatic shocks from which the human being derives no strength or development but neurosis. 43. Echo in Virginia Woolf's faith in the creative benefits of keeping a diary later famously articulated by Joan Didion as well, Nian reflects on <coughs> her experience as a prolific diarist. It was while writing a diary that I discovered how to capture the living moments. Keeping a diary all my life helped me discover some basic elements essential to the vitality of writing. When I speak of the relationship between my diary and writing, I do not intend to generalize as to the value of keeping a diary or to advise anyone to do so, but merely to extract from this habit certain discoveries which can be easily transposed to other kinds of writing. Of these, the most important is naturalness and spontaneity. These elements sprung, I observed, from my freedom of selection. In the diary, I only wrote of what interested me genuinely, what I felt most strongly at the moment. And I found this fervor, this enthusiasm, produced a vividness which often withered in the formal work. Improvisation, free association, obedience to mood, impulse, 
brought forth countless images, portraits, descriptions, impressionistic sketches, symphonic experiments from which I could dip at any time for material. The diary dealing, always with the immediate present, the warm, the near, being written at white heart, at white heat, develop a love of the living moment, of the immediate emotional reaction to experience, which reveal the power of recreation, recreation to lie in the sensibilities rather than in memory or critical intellectual <coughs> perception. The diary creating a vast tapestry, a web, exposing constantly the relation between past and present, weaving meticulously the invisible interaction, noting the repetitions of themes, developed in the sense of the totality of personality, this tale, without beginning or end, which encloses all things and relates all things, as a strong antidote to the unrelatedness, incoherence, and disintegration of the modern man. I could follow the inevitable pattern and obtain a large panoramic, panoramic view of character. 44. The diary also taught her that the ideal of objective writing is an oppressive standard that only drains literature, which is inherently subjective of its vitality. She says, This personal relationship to all things, which is condemned as subjective, limiting, I found to be the core of individuality and personality and originality. The idea that subjectivity is an impasse is as false as the idea that objectivity leads to a larger form of life. A deep personal relationship reaches far beyond the personal and to the general. Again, it is a matter of depths. 45. But her greatest insight from the diary has less to do with writing and more to do with human nature. She says, It is the moments of emotional crisis that human beings reveal themselves most accurately. The heightened moments are the moments of revelation. It is the moment when the real self rises to the surface, shatters its false roles, erupts in assumed reality and identity. The fiery moments of passionate experience are the moments of wholeness and totality of the personality. 46. Another learning from her diary experience captures the same idea Ray Bradbury articulated in arguing that ideation should flow uninhibited from the intuitive mind and the intellect as editor should only come later. Nian considers the discipline this requires. She writes, To achieve perfection in writing while retaining naturalness, it was important to write a great deal, to write fluently, as the pianist practices the piano, rather than to correct constantly one page until it withers. To write continuously, to try over and over again to capture a certain mood, a certain experience. Intensive correcting may lead to monotony, to working on dead matter, whereas continuing to write and to write until perfection is achieved through repetition is a way to elude this monotony, to avoid performing an autopsy. Sheer playing of scales, practice, repetition, then by the time one is ready to write a story or a novel, a great deal of natural distillation and softening has been accomplished. 47. Indeed, Nian considers the inner censor that so often stands in the way of this flow to be the gravest peril of writing, one that the diary taught her to bypass. She writes, 
There's another great danger for the writer, perhaps the greatest one of all, his consciousness of the multiple taboos taboos, society has imposed on literature and his inner censor. It is surprising how one um, one, how well one writes if one thinks no one will read the writing. This honesty, this absence of posturing, is a most fecund source of material. The writer's task is to overthrow the taboos rather than accept them. 48. In elaborating on this, Nan adds to history's most profound definitions of art. She writes, Naked truth is unbearable to most and art is our most effective means of overcoming human resistance to truth. The writer has the same role as the surgeon, and his handling of anesthesia is as important as his skill with a knife. Human beings in the resistance to truth erect fortresses, and some of these fortresses can only be demolished by the dynamic power of the symbol, which reaches the emotions directly. 49. Reflecting on the power of ancient stories and fairy tales, Nan returns to the critical role of sensuality in art, once again asserting that emotion and logic coexist, but only if the artist or writer is able to fully inhabit his or her emotionality, thus understanding its underlying patterns. In the human unconscious itself, there is an indigenous structure, and if we're able to detect and grasp it, we have the plot, the form, and the style of the novel of the future. In this apparently chaotic world of the unconscious, there is an inevitability as logical, as coherent, as final as any to be found in classical drama. In, in this new dimension of character, <coughs> the form is created by the meaning. It is born of the theme. It is created very much as the earth itself is created by a series of inner convulsions and eruptions dictated by inner geological tensions. It is an organic development. 50. Concluding with an example of her own creative process, an anecdote about how a sudden memory of a side as at a concert she had heard in Paris years earlier inspired, inspired a key section in her novel, Ladders to Fire. Nan speaks to the importance of unconscious processing in how creativity works and remarks. She says, How creative the unconscious can be if one allows it to work spontaneously. Okay, I'll stop with quote number 50.